Ladies and gentlemen, we'll begin our final descent into Kingston, Jamaica. As we prepare for landing, please make sure your seatbelt is fastened and your seat back and tray tables are stowed. Also, this time, please put away all carry-in items, including laptop and devices of similar size for landing. landing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to enter Culturama with Diva. I'll make to the corner when I make it. And that's where I'm ready to take it. So, I'll be here for sure. Don't worry. I'll miss that bam, 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 bam. It's not an easy road. Hello, Culturama listeners. Welcome to the show, Culturama with Diva, where simplicity is the best thing. With me in studio, I have Mr. Leroy Phillips from Georgetown, Guyana. Hi, Leroy. Hey, hello, Tamika. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. This program is called Motivation slash Inspirational Moments. So first of all, tell us, who is Leroy Phillips? Well, I believe Leroy Phillips is, um, it's a really difficult thing to explain who I am, but I know I'm a totally blind person who live in uh, Georgetown, Guyana. I was born here, live here. I'm a university student at the University of Guyana. Um, I am pursuing a degree in public communication and I have been practicing um, broadcasting for the past eight years or nine years or so and yeah and people will also see me as a blank cricketer as well tell us about your journey at the university level well it was all an interesting one and you know starting way back in my um teens i never expected to be um a student at the university of guyana i knew little about being at university so i didn't have it as part of my future plans but you know as you grow old and you hang with different people who had different you know perspective or outlook to life your you know plans change gradually so i became a university student at the age of 23 i think it was a 25 actually yeah and um i started studying communication it's been quite challenging but you know i always say to win challenges you have to be strong and fighting them so i kept strong um, in spite of all the challenges that came with being a university student. And some of these you know, challenges really detail into poor accessibility and poor infrastructure for persons with disabilities in Guyana because we're just one of the Caribbean countries who are now coming to terms with you know, working with people with various forms of disability. So for me, it was a learning adventure, still is, with my final year to come this September. And for all the lecturers, well, not all of them, for most of them, it has really been a learning you know venture for all, most of them so you know we're learning together but you know i always tell people i don't think i'm going to pursue my master's program here in guyana or even a postgrad i might just give it a chance with a postgrad but i don't want to be dealing with accessibility issues and trying to help the university um help you know provide you know for its disabled students while studying at the same time i love what i do and another thing that persons also put to my name is a disability advocate but i don't want to be doing disability advocacy work while pursuing my postgrad or my master's program because it has been quite fatiguing to model between both worlds uh, while at the university of guyana wow 
So let me backtrack a little because I have a lot of questions. First of all, tell me what are some of the challenges you face, if you don't mind sharing, because you mentioned some, there are so many issues that university hasn't gotten as yet and you have to be the one filling them in. Yeah, for example, I know when I started, um, lectures were amazed and flabbergasted by blind students being in their classes. So a lot of them were like, Leroy, how do we um, get you the notes? How do you study the information taught in school? How do we get you the information that we put on the, um, the projector? How do we get that to you? Then you have to go through all the explanation of saying, all right, um, there is this um, screen reader software called JAWS or NVDA or whatever. You, you email Explain it to us to because... So I know JAWS and NVDA are um, screen readers. Uh, once they are installed to any computer system, anyone, it could be the most expensive or the cheapest. Once those two are installed <laughs> um, to a computer, desktop or laptop, like non-disabled people use, blind or visually impaired people are able to perform normal tasks or duties on a computer's anybody else would with their perfect sight and so on so they talk basically so when you learn or master the keyboard and certain stuff on the computer like commands you're basically you know independent again if you previously used computing your different life when you're outside so you're able to navigate and do your emailing write your um, scripts if you're into broadcasting or if you're writing books or if you're a secretary you can write all your minutes and so on so it's it's they're pretty accessible for blind people, but they don't read pictures that much. So you mentioned that you're a broadcaster for eight years. Why broadcasting? Well, I often ask myself the same question because <laughs> I can always remember it from the back of my head. I, like I said, I never knew what I wanted to become. I was just actually today when I was coming to the location that I'm currently at for this interview, um, something the driver, oh, well, I was telling him how excruciating um, the heat is um, in Guyana today. And I was like telling him that I wish, you know, Guyana was carrying the temperature of this car. He had his AC on. So he oh, said, wow. why, man? I said, I was telling him I don't like the heat and I said I'm glad I got the job I always I got what I always wanted when I was a child I said I, I always wanted to work in the AC office office that had an AC what? so he was he was like what job do you have I said I work in the media so I'm in the AC office 24 7 so I'm pleased about that yeah so when it started many years ago I think it was back in 2010 or 11 um, mm -hmm. One of my blind friend, who is an established disability advocate here in Guyana, received a call from a Peace Corps volunteer um, who asked, you know, we want to start um, NCN, where I work, is starting a big training program for young people. And they're looking for um, one young person who is excited and who is full of energy and creative and, you know, has a passion for... Um, media and all these different things they painted the picture well but i don't know how that picture fit me but he thought i was the best candidate then so he said Leroy, i think you're gonna do this you're my best pick at this time and i went reluctantly because i thought i was gonna face a lot of stigma discrimination because of my disability being blindness and i did eventually face the stigma discrimination to some level when i started with all these other crazy young people um because the young people usually don't know better, so I didn't expect different from them. So when I went, I was discriminated on some level. Like, for example, when snacks are being served, um, the children would 
go and eat themselves and forget that there's a wine guy here and not serve me or sometimes they won't sit near to you on all these different kind of things um but you know it really didn't affect me that much because you know i had my own challenge to take on but eventually when i started with 150 young people at the established media um stayed own media house in the country ncn um, it was 150 of, of us and then you know the work became so challenging for a lot of them that the 150 which included me broke down to 130 then it broke down to wow. 100 then it broke down to 75 then it broke down to 50 and i keep deducting or reducing rather and you are still in that badge and i was still in that badge and being a part of that badge meant a lot of things it meant fortitude for me as a blind person because I had to do scripts. And as you would imagine, if you're doing trading in broadcasting, you had to prepare how to read promos, how to read commercials, how to read PSAs, how to read death announcement and, and all these different things. So when I went through it and I wasn't I was I mean I was into computer a lot, but I didn't have a proper laptop back then to write scripts when they give it to me in the studio here when we're rehearsing. So my little brain, which I didn't have much confidence of retaining <laughs> stuff <laughs> had to um had to memorize scripts on the top of my head. For example, one of the trainers would say, All right, Leroy, your script is this. And he would read that 30 second script or 50 minute script to me, which has about 50 words. And I would have to, you know, after he tell me that two or three times, I have to memorize that. And just how he read it and tell me this is what you need to emphasize particular lines and words. I did that and you know, everybody had their scripts in front of them paper or whatever and we had to run into the studio and record it and me the only blind person had to burst my brain to memorize them and run into the studio and re remember how to deliver it in front of the mic i remember one time when i had to do the delivering of um a script in the studio for the first time I was going behind the microphone to do something like it i was trembling like crazy like i was what? really trim i was really trembling violently because of nervousness and because yes. of the air condition i've never been in a cold place like it before it was incredibly cold, unbearably cold. <laughs> and you know to, to couple that with um you know nervousness it was a scary um environment to be in and i i went and i said it and, you know, those numbers continue to break down. Even when we formed a program called YEA, a group we formed called YEA, Youth Edutainment Something Affiliation. Youth ed Edutainment Something Affiliation, it's called. And, um, you know, that was a group of 10 of us. And, you know, we started getting a little stipend every month for the last, for the first year and a half or so. And then a lot of persons started going away because they started get, getting stiffer. And then it broke down to about five of us, three of us, two of us, and then, you know, I'm the last man standing. And that's a success story. Wow. So tell me, Leroy, you are a part of the cricket team, the blind slash visually impaired cricket team. Wow. How yeah. did you get involved? How do you play cricket? Explain to us how it works. Well, <laughs> It's played regionally. I think when people hear this interview, they can relate to it when they hear it. But if you can't, I'll have to paint you know, a good picture as best as I can. The ball is made out of some sort of stiff plastic. Just be careful because it hits you on the motor in the ground. It could be very painful. So it's made out of some stiff plastic. And in it, if you're familiar with bicycles, um, in these, <laughs> this stiff plastic, plastic um, ball has tiny ball bearings inside them and they're like bicycle balls i refer to them or throwing bricks or pebbles inside of a glass bottle and it makes that loud noise that can be very um disturbing sometimes so blind cricket relies heavily on the sense of hearing it relies a lot mm -hmm. on the sense of hearing and um it is played with players in 
three categories b1 totally blind b2 partially blind b3 partially sighted so you can tell at the b3 partially sighted you can see better than the b2 uh, because the b2s are partially blind but the thing with the b2 they can either decide to run for themselves if they're confident about how far they can see or if they're not too confident about how far they can see between the stumps they can ask the b3 who has no other um, option but to run for the b2s and ones right so that's how it goes b1 twos and three we all bowl underarm and upon delivering the ball to the batsman you call upon that bat and say batter are you ready um you know in that person responded in the affirmative um you then deliver the ball saying play and of course you are judged by umpires who are fully sighted people often think that the umpires in bank cricket too are blind but they're like any other umpire sometimes you might just find one of those um you know nowadays umpires um umpiring in a match for blind cricket but that's how it is basically going down with blind cricket and everybody rely on the sense of hearing and it's pretty much like conventional cricket so do you play any important role in the admin of the cricket team like pro marketing <sighs> Absolutely not. I think um, our association is quite condemned and run quite haphazardly and I've never been officially a part of um, anything for them officially, but I've, I have volunteered my arm service as somebody who has communication skills to do um, PRO stuff for them because then, you know, we are all passionate, not saying I'm not now passionate about it, but we all were very upbeat and passionate about promoting it back then and having to recruit people and bring out blind and visually impaired persons to experience what Guyana has to offer, what the government is doing for PWDs in their country, more specifically the blind audience. So we try to popularize the sport, you know, back then in the days when things, you know, seem bright. But yeah, not now. I don't volunteer much for them. Okay. Now for persons who are in the media and you, you, you will say so yourself, what advice would you give to those who are doing podcasting, you know, some media tips during your past eight years, not just podcasting alone, but on a whole, you know, journalists, TV, radio, you know? Well, if any person with a disability um, is thinking or considering to do podcast or get involved in media, I would tell them focus and focus on mastering the art. You know, one of my blind friends from Trinidad always well, he came to Ghana a few years ago to do um, a program, and he met a lot of young people, and the vibrancy in his voice, telling them how good you have to be in this competitive world. Um, mm -hmm as a disabled person, mm -hmm. he was telling them that you have to be 10 times better than your non-disabled counterpart, meaning that if everybody around the world is applying for a job with basic qualification like CXE subjects or some sort of thing like that, that when you reach 18, everybody you usually have, he's like, no, 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 you have to come better than that. By the time you reach 25, 30, he always tell you as a blind person or a person with disability, you have to at least know five you need to speak five fluent foreign languages. If you know English, Spanish, French, Portuguese, Chinese, um, and, and something else like Swahili, you have to be that great. You have to be that superior among your non-disabled friends because your chances of getting a job over them is a very slim one, right? Wow. So when you, when you come to the employer for the job, you got to floor them. You got to bring them down. 
and said, this is why you have to give me this job because that other guy that you're considering doesn't know how to speak 10 languages. That person don't have a master's degree. That person doesn't have a PhD. They don't have this. They don't have that. You have to hold that, you know, that bar over them. So have the confidence and the brains. Yep. You have to have the confidence and the brains indeed. So you have to have that over everybody else if you want to get yourself a job. And as that PWD in podcasting or broadcasting now, your other thing, and I'm not going to say it's your second thing you must aim to do because both of these things are quite crucial to PWDs. You know, a lot of people out there are tackling all sorts of uh, all sorts of issues, you know, that are affecting, you know, the ordinary man in the street or in, in society but who is really championing uh, disability issue in your community who is really holding their hands in the air and say i will be a part of this team of people who will carry this 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 struggle to the end until you know good prevail you now have to be an advocate no matter what you do no matter how small or big you are if you can stand up and talk and represent your disability community, it's an important thing. And if you are involved in media, it is the perfect platform to do it. Could you imagine you tackling disability issue across all forms of social media and then in mainstream media, the newspaper, which is print and electronic, radio and television, all these things, is going across to millions around the world. So I always encourage PWDs, should they get the opportunity to get involved in media, take it. It's nothing you will regret. Take it because it's an opportunity for you to now push programming for persons yes. with disabilities because there are a lot of things out there that people are unaware of. Understand? Wow. And you can't you can't blame people for being, you know, absent minded or unaware of certain issues. But you know, saying at the end of the day, you as a PWD have to be the one to run with your issue to the forefront you know people want to hear your problems yeah i was experiencing something on the road the other day i was walking on the road with one of my blind friends and um you know surprisingly i have one of those canes that has the fat ball fat red and white ball at the bottom end of the cane which is very good for navigation here in guyana and we were walking on the road one day to buy dinner we had just finished buying dinner and a car was literally in front of us reversing extremely quietly on the roadways. I couldn't hear a thing. I hardly heard the sound of this car engine. But by the time I picked that sound up, it was too late. He, he reversed on my cane and, and twist the wheel. And I thought he broke Jesus. the cane as well. But I became very scared because I'm like, oh, this feels like somebody just poked their fingers into my in, into my eyes. And when what? he when he realized what he had done, but somebody actually pointed out what he just did. And I, I, I opened my mouth very loud at him. I was like, how the hell could you not see two blind guys walking behind your car or coming yes. inside your car? Are, are you not using your rear mirrors? And the guy really sounded traumatized. He sounded worried. He sounded scared for his life. And he was all apologetic to us when he came out. And he came out and he um, fixed my cane. He looked for the wheel when it came off. And, you know, it was horrifying for me because my cane never felt the same. And when I checked it, I was scared. I checked it a week after. I knew something that, you know, something went wrong with it. But Because, Lira, I find it amazing, you know, that um, persons who are visually impaired, we are more careful than those who are sighted, not being biased. So true. But so uh, it's just the truth because I was at work and the lady who cleans the office, she said, you know, I admire you. I said, why? Because <laughs> when you eat, you just clean up after yourself. These other people, we these other people, they just, they just, them just nasty. They this, they that. But still the point is, you know, we are more careful than the sighted one. And even I'm walking, 
these people don't look where they're going. I'm like, hello, could you excuse me out of my way, please? And I'm like, oh, you know, can you see me? I said, look, I can see your shadow. So, you know, either you move or I move or something. So, you know, we're just so careful. I put so much emphasis into eating very tidy. So when I'm finished eating, I always clean up after. When I'm at work, you come to my office, you'd think it's like um, people dwelling in this room because it smells clean. And mind you, I think that's another big thing buying people are um, up for a, a, yes. a nice smelling environment mm-hmm. so my office smells like heaven um <laughs> when you come in you want to touch everything in the office because i sanitize them i clean them very well so when people come in the office they want to stay in that room they can't go and you know i've been a lot of places even when i wore green or white to school in secondary years people always tell me oh you look the tidiest your clothes is always clean i often wash my hands 10 times a day after i touch something because i have green or white on and i don't want when i touch in my shirt it is dirty or anything of the sort so i i, I live a very clean well, i try to live a very clean life back then but i think i'm much more um raggedy now i'm better i perhaps don't put a lot of emphasis into being a clean guy but i think what i do now is try to smell as good as always and i yeah i try to look clean as possible but i i, I feel comfortable looking rumble these days because it's a little too fatiguing in the heat and try to stay neat and so on but I, I still live a very clean life and you know people often you know don't look out for blind people this guy said he didn't realize it's blind people <laughs> like this is prophetic how That's could you not sick. realize how how no it really is it, i mean it, it's really gross how could you who in their right sense would walk with a cane and they have sight that's what we were doing we were blind people walking with canes in our hand and he couldn't tell that we were blind oh my goodness help the world today lord that's why people blind. walk with cane exactly. he's probably blind himself too because i know that some of the canes have lights on them um to signal that hey i'm blind reflectors so too oh but that's yeah. how we you know things is you know things are ra- ra- rather tough here and you know again where we live you know i've gone through many experiences where people cars drove over my cane drove over my toes almost run me over what? And this is something a lot of blind people experience too in guyana People fall into a lot of manholes here. You know, government don't seem to. Same here in take Jamaica. Our, same is not the Government not don't seem to take our, you know, safety, you know, seriously and all the different things. I've heard of blind people. I, I hope I don't experience it too. I've heard of blind people breaking their nose, hands by falling into drains or off edges and so on. I don't want to experience it. I fall into a manhole once and only one of my leg, you know, one of my legs uh, went down into it very deep. Really? Very deep. Yeah. And wow. it was quite tra- traumatic for me though, because I never started using the cane until 18 years old. When I went blind at six, I never used it up till to 18 years old, which is in 2008. And it was a few weeks after I started using the cane, I fall into a manhole. Now, that was going to put a damp on my spirit into continuing using the cane. But, you know, I continued to use it. I mean, I went back home that morning from school, couldn't go. And the next day I was up and running again with my cane. I was mindful of the manhole this time. But, you know, we do a lot of advocacy work now about covering up manholes and so on because when i go on the road doing programs i do a program called man in the street where you come with a topic or questions and you ask people in the street and i bump over a few open holes very deep one Whoa. and i would i would stand right next to it on the road and i'll turn my mic on and do the introduction for my program right there and talk about you know extensively talk about that manhole mm-hmm. that's open there and you know mm-hmm. that's how we get things to change in our country you experience it talk right in front of it put it on social media and you know they don't like seeing things on social media because people are going to come in and bash them so they fix things 
because you also did a recent promo for a particular organization will not will not say yet until they approve of us to yeah. run the ad but i know that organization uh, um, assist in advocating for persons with special needs yeah, and i'm is. just really proud that you know an organization like that is able to assist those who are in need in guyana you know to mm -hmm. help them to understand that hey we need help to so help us you know so I just can't wait for that advertisement to be released. Yeah, it's a good organization. They yeah. really help. They try their best. But, you know, that organization is called the National Commission on Disability. I've been mm -hmm. pushing for them to be more, you know, uh, for them to fortify the work that they're doing by opening employment opportunities for other people with these who are qualified, have the experience, has the passion, the willingness, and the interest to help amplify the work of the commission more. But I guess that's at a turtle stage right now, or a snail. But hopefully when, you know, under this current administration, um, which will continue to be the government, you know, in the next five years, I am confident about, we'll do much greater things to help ensure that nobody's left behind. I think it's the mandate of the president, especially David Granger, who always say he wants to put things in a position where nobody's left behind. And when he says that, you can really tell that he's talking to all his Amerindian brothers and sisters who in the past have been left behind and people with disabilities. I think things will really happen at a rapid rate for those two um, groups of people in the next five or ten years of this administration. And finally, Leroy, any final words to anybody? You want to say hi to anybody out there? Well, I'm sure you're... Listening, listeners around the world or your listenership is very wide so I want to say hello to all those persons listening. it is very wide I'm also doing yes. that too <laughs> excellent I always want to say hello to everybody um, trust that you're having a fantastic time of your life um, try to please enjoy anything that you do everything that you do on a daily basis I hope many of you listening are in an in a job that you really feel happy about you know people often ask me how can i smile so often you know i really had an interesting life you know coming up because previously i was this kind of person who never really smiled because if there's nothing to smile about i wouldn't smile but i realized that i can't go on living like that so all of a sudden i had a total transformation in my life i started smiling more than i'm vexed a lot of people would ask me right i've never seen you cry i've never seen you serious before because even when i'm serious i'm smiling so people have never really seen me sad or depressed very few people have mind you i'm a very private person how i do things so you have to be a real close friend um to me to see me cry or to see me sad or depressed or something like that I, I i do cry you know i've been to the states um but i tour a lot i do a lot of international work and you know a lot of men don't admit this though they don't admit and they don't admit that they're they have emotions i've been um, to the states in the recent years well i go a lot but last year and the year before I, I traveled to the states on some very inspiring programs relating to persons with disabilities and i listened to some people talk in church um pastors and so on mm -hmm. and they would deliver some nice testimonies some nice stories some very inspirational things that hit home for me resonates with me with my family with my you know schoolmates on campus or at the organization pwds and i would get this hard-hitting moment or message just call it you need to do more Leroy when you go back home yes. and because they would say this thing so beautifully that it directly speaks to my experiences I remember one time in the States last year April I think it was or March rather I literally broke down in church and cried I was in front sitting and they were 
preaching so beautifully that this message hit home for me and i literally broke down crying in front of everybody and what? one of the organizers for the program took me off and carried me away from the crowd to express myself crying more and i really and I, let me tell you i feel happy crying i feel tremendously <laughs> happy crying because you know, i release a lot of pent-up emotion I really, yes. really feel a pent-up emotion. But really and truly, yeah, that's how things go. Um, that's the kind of person I am. But I really want to encourage all persons with disabilities across the world listening to be your advocate, be your own advocate, be your own agent of change. And in an indirect way, you will, you know, create changes across a whole network of people. Try to put smiles on faces as best as you can. Try to lend a helping hand to those who are in need of help until they get to the top, you know, of their... Um, their life or whatever they want to do try to be as you know warm as possible people you know out there are in need of your mm -hmm. you know service are in need of your education or your inspiration or your advice or anything of the sort and just try to be the bigger and better person in every yeah. little argument yeah so you know, that? that's my oh. two cents oh, yeah. um what does your family say about you being blind are they are they receptive may i ask are they helpful they're very helpful, you know. You know, I didn't come from a very literate family background. So when I was young into my blindness, they called me blind man and all sorts of crazy terms. I didn't blame them much. It affected me somehow. But um, as we've all grown up, because we're pretty much the same age range, I think they've, you know, they've gone a good way. I can tell you I'm treated like a king in my house. Um, when oh. I was young, I used to... I used to like really and truly, and I'll get into details very soon, and you'll you'll be amazed to know. Um, I did a lot of stuff back then. I helped clean and so on back in the house, and they all say I clean, cleaner than the sighted ones and so on. But once I had that breaking point in my life when I started doing CX in 2013 or 14, and I started going to UG, they started realizing that wow, we really kept this guy back from accomplishing as anybody else. So. You know, all of a sudden I travel a lot. I do a lot of advocacy work on the international stage. Um, I won the Queen's Young Leader Award in 2015. I get to meet the Queen and all sorts of important, influential figures. I, you know, I've given family members opportunities to go to the UK and do stuff with me. All sorts of stuff now. So at home now, I'm this little king. And the kids call me king too. I love it when they call me king too. Um, so, you know, I get breakfast. King Yes, that's what they call me, King Leroy or something like that. So I literally get breakfast in bed when I want, lunch in bed, dinner in bed. Really? I just have to, yeah, I literally, and, and this is no exaggerating. <laughs> I have a family that loves me so much. I mean, they get me vexed a lot of times, but I think they appreciate the things that I do and what I mean to the family, my contribution I make to the family. So, you know, if I'm in bed still and they call me one time for breakfast and me and Abel go down sis and say, bring it up sis no man and I'm tired and they will come down and then all of a sudden they can send somebody up with it. And we have unwilling kids in the house and when they, you know, refuse to bring my stuff in the house, they can get licks for not bringing my breakfast to my bed. They can get licks if they don't bring my lunch or dinner to my bed. Um, they can get yelled upon. They can be um, grounded if they don't, you know, do something for me. So I literally get treated like a king. I don't, I don't do anything at home anymore. I don't wash my clothes. I've never done that really in my lifetime. I don't wash my own sneakers. The only thing I perhaps do wash is my own undergarment, like my boxers, and that's it. Um, <laughs> like literally, I, I really have a good time with my family, and I really love it. <laughs> I'm not at all not yet. But I enjoy them though. I, I really enjoy them. Wow. Thank you. If you so have much. a supportive family like that out there, you have to thank them. Appreciate yes. them every day. Yes. Thank you so much, King Leroy Phillips for proclamation. <laughs> it means a lot for you to close the interview this way. <laughs>
You made my day. Trust me. <laughs> this has been the show Kotorama with Diva, where simplicity is the best thing. Join me next week Sunday for another episode. This one will be What Do You Do with Karen Gunes from Trinidad and Tobago as he shares with me his life story and what he does as a profession. Remember guys, life is a journey. Live good, love God. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel good. You can find my podcast on the following. 195 The Globe, Core Confidence Radio on Sundays at 7 a.m. Jamaica time and 12 noon Jamaica time or with a rebroadcast on Wednesdays at 12 noon. Also in Trinidad and Tobago at 8 to 9 p.m. Jamaica time on Thursdays on Caribbean Culture Vibes Radio. Also, anchorfm.net slash culturama with diva. K-U-L-C-H-A-R-A-M-A with diva. And mixcloud.com slash culturama with diva. Blessings, everyone. We get through every day. Only I can the price. I'm a leg we have to pay. While our play. A big thank you to my studio engineers, Mr. Sidney Thorpe from Kingston, Jamaica, Mr. Damien Rose from Kingston, Jamaica, and Mr. Gary Kemmer from Monroe, Louisiana. Thank you guys for ensuring that the production goes well. Could go on and on, the fool has never been told. Could go on and on, the fool has never been told. Could go on and on, the fool has never been told.